Welcome to the Albert Podcast, brought to you by the Witches of Switzerland Group. Brian Duffy talks to Julianne Tournau, CEO of Zenith, about the history of the brand and the importance of Charles Vermont, Julianne's role as CEO and the industry-leading El Primero and its 50th anniversary, along with future Zenith products. So hello everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in, uh, thank you for listening to, uh, to our podcast, we're really thrilled that there's so many of you out there that are following our podcasts and uh, we really appreciate the, the attention that, uh, that you're giving us. They've been successful uh, and I think it's because we're uh, covering great subjects, great, uh, great brands, but more than anything we have, uh, we have great guests for, for me to speak with and uh, today of course no exception, I'm delighted to be joined by Julian. Tornar. Uh, Julian is the CEO of uh, Zenith, so welcome Julian. Thank you Brian, good afternoon. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and we're obviously going to talk about uh, the, the Zenith brand and uh, uh, the great contribution that the brand's made to the world of uh, Swiss watches, but tell me a little about yourself, how you uh, found your way into the world of uh, luxury Swiss watches. Oh, I started a long time ago, I started 20, 22 years ago. Uh, working for a family brand, then I joined Vacheron Constantin and I worked for Vacheron Constantin in three different countries, including the US for five years and Hong Kong for seven years. So that's really where I spent most of my time yep. until I got a phone call from Jean-Claude Biver that you know very well. Yes. Uh, that was in October 2016 and uh, we started to talk together about the, the Zenith project as yep. he called it. And, uh, and that's, that's when I decided to, uh, to move back to Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, Jean-Claude's an amazing guy. Isn't he? Unbelievable, yeah, definitely. Not, not many people get that call, but I, I can't imagine it would be an easy call to, uh, to say no to. He's uh, so for sure persuasive. And uh, we did a podcast with him. Uh, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. And, uh, no, no, he's fantastic. I mean, we had a 40, 40 minutes conversation over the yeah. phone, and then he asked me to fly to Switzerland almost the day after, which yeah. I did. And then I managed to talk with him for three hours, yep. which, as you know, is not easy to keep him seated for three hours. No, and talking with Jean-Claude <laughs> for three hours is listening to Jean-Claude Definitely. For, uh, for three hours. But uh, delighted that he did that and delighted that you come back to you know, such a great brand as Zenith. We, we here in Watchers of Switzerland love Zenith, um, lo- love dealing with uh, with your team here. Yeah. And I uh, think it's uh, such a fantastic brand. It's... Uh, a brand that's often, you know, when you talk about it, you, you talk about the movement, very often El Primero, and of course we'll, we'll talk about that as, yeah. uh, uh, as we go on. But just going back to the, the history of when it all began, um, like, uh, like quite a few uh, around at that time, an uh, inspirational young man, Georges Favre Jaco, uh, had, had the vision of uh, really moving on manufacturing and precision and so on, and set up the brand as a, a young man, 22 years old. And, uh, and the local. Yeah, he was an amazing personality because we're talking 154 years ago, yep. a long, long time ago. And at that time, the watchmaking industry was really spread between different, uh, different craftsmen, different, uh, different jobs. And, and he was very much the first one at 22 years old to think about putting everyone under the same roof. Yep. And that explains why today, if you visit our manufacturer, I invite you to come and, and visit it because it's a beautiful one. You will see 18 different buildings because he really added uh, one craft after the other in the same, in the same manufacturer. Yep. And that was extremely, I would say, innovative and, and visionary. And he's really the man who set the, the innovative spirit, almost, I could say, a startup spirit already 154 years ago. Yeah, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, uh, Le Chaux de Fonds, Le Locle, 
and so on as as being uh, the Silicon Valley of its uh, uh, of, of yep. its time, uh, effectively. And he's a great example. That, and we often talk to. It's amazing at the age of twenty two years, somebody to have that determination and uh, yep. and vision. And uh, others around that we've talked about as well, including Hans Wilsdorf, twenty two when he when he yep. started the uh, sure. Rolex company. Pierre uh, uh, Paul Emile uh, Brandt, rather uh, at Omega. Um, and uh, interestingly too, we talked in another podcast uh, about manufacturing in the Jura Mountains, manufacturing in America that was happening in the late yeah. 19th century and how the Americans had really advanced production. Right. And the Swiss were very, very traditional, particularly the Geneva-based. Very much. Um, so he, he was one that responded to that clearly and, and made production more efficient, but still maintained the focus on, the, on quality and innovation. Yeah, completely. And I think we owe him a lot for that. And again, coming back to the brand, because today we talk a lot about, about innovation, and I strongly believe this is our mission to continue to be creative and innovative in our industry and to continue to move forward. And he definitely uh, set the tone 154 years ago, four years ago with this kind of a, a, a mindset. Yep. Is there any his family still around anywhere? His no, we couldn't stuff? really find. We no. couldn't really find. I mean, yeah. we'll talk later about Charles Vermeaux, yep. uh, our fam famous hero from the, the, the 60s, and we yep. found some families for him for sure, yep. but uh, Georges Favjaco, unfortunately not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a name, that I, a family name that I had come across anywhere else. I just wonder. Another thing too in reading about him is that he seemed to have a real 360 degree view of everything he was focused on engineering and position correct at the same time the aesthetic a lot of connections yep. with architects and so on and then also a visionary when it came to branding um of course the yeah, shops, yeah, yeah. The presentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah and management wise i would say also because the the testimonies we have uh, are really talking about a man who was very um uh, he had a very paternalistic approach you yep. know, of managing and uh, people loved him. He was tough. He was yep. a tough boss. He had huge ambitions, but he had such a level of maturity at 22 because he was really looking after his employees in a very yep. good way. And at that time, it was not really obvious, but he has always already he had already kind of a modern uh, management approach. All right. Yeah. One that you're obviously following on from now. Toughness, but fairness. I am trying to, yep. yeah. <laughs> chronograph, you're very famous yeah, for, and the first sure. chronograph done in 1899. Correct, yes. And the uh, the manufacturer, the factory that uh, you talked about in La Locale, uh, finally put together and assembled in 1911. Mm -hmm, yep. Exactly, with marine chronometers and aviation clocks and uh, some yep. special chronographs also for the post office in Switzerland. I don't know if oh, you're really? aware of that, but during these years, um, you basically, when you went to the post office, uh, you were paying by the time you spent there. So every right. post office in Switzerland was equipped with a Zenith chronograph. And yep. uh, the minute you start to talk, they start and then they right? stop and they tell you, okay, you owe us. X amount of money. Oh yeah. So we did a lot of these things yeah, during those years. Yeah. Oh yeah. You gotta love the Swiss. Eh? Very you know, Swiss spirit. They've yeah. done a lot of famous things for the world: cheese <laughs> and, uh, and and clocks. But making money is the thing that they truly excel at. Yeah, they always like that. Yeah. yeah. I still pay some Swiss taxes, so I, <laughs> I speak that from a, a painful reality. Um, so the local it was uh, uh, 1911, where, where the factory was set up, and, and where yep. you are uh, back again today. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I actually was uh, uh, very close to the local last week in Le Show de Fond, and okay. it's uh, really interesting being up in the Jura and seeing these uh, these towns that are, are clearly dependent completely on a, a watch manufacturing. How, how much of the locals' population would be 
dependent upon the in Lulak today yeah. I mean, in Lulak today if I'm not wrong there are 10,044 uh, inhabitants yeah, and roughly. I would say probably 96 and 97% of the population are linked to watchmaking oh really and, uh, yeah yeah apart a uh, couple of supermarket maybe the the two policemen and uh, yeah. the one person working in the UBS bank all the other ones are connected to, uh, to oh, watches really? so it's uh, yeah yeah it's and very much and it'll be somebody in the post office no doubt with a a Zenith chronograph just to Correct. when you're in there buying your stamps. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, amazing these small towns that are uh, up in the Jura. So um, a, a lot of, uh, as you say, uh, you know, uh, important instruments, marine chronometers, clocks, uh, mm -hmm. uh, clocks that were used in, the, in aircraft and so on. Uh, but rolling forward to what was a, a huge event in development in 1969, the creation of the El Primero. Um, uh, the first in, in Esperanto, is that correct? Yes, exactly, exactly. Esperanto. Why? Uh, we had a few versions, but uh, I mean, clearly in the 60s, there was a race between different brands to go for the first automatic chronograph. Yep. And, and we went for the high frequency one. And what's interesting is that last, uh, last year, I managed to uh, look for the people who worked at Zenit during those years. Yep. And I found eight people. I managed to get them around the table. We had a nice lunch together, a couple of drinks, and they started to open up and tell me secret stories yep. that, that are in no book or nowhere. The youngest was born in 1945. The oldest was born in 1933. Oh, amazing. And they still have such an unbelievable passion for Zenith. Yep. I mean, I, it was easy for me to pull them out of their retirement, and they are uh, highly motivated to, uh, to help me um, bring the brand uh, where I want to bring the brand. And, and they really told me how uh, innovative, again, and how creative they had been during those years. Many people told them, you're never going to succeed doing uh, making a chronograph like that at a high frequency. Uh, it's never going to happen. And they kept on going. They went for it, and they, they, they succeeded. Yep. So it's, it's super interesting for me to, to be able to meet these people. You know, It's only 50 years ago. It's a lot, and it's not a lot. So I managed to have these people with me. They joined me at Baselworld, uh. and, uh, and we are working on the project together. So it's, oh, uh, it's the past, but it's the past that's really helping us to build the future. Yeah, yeah, which is the secret of, uh, of, of great Swiss brands. That right. great tradition, but doing it in a modern way. Wonderful that you could involve yeah. these old guys. I, I, I can imagine it. Uh, and um, uh, we'll talk about the, the most famous of, uh, uh, of all, Charles Vermeer, in, in just a second. But we actually did a podcast as well. I seem to be advertising all of our past podcasts, but we did do one with uh, Jack Howard. And we did talk about the race to do the first uh, automatic uh, chronograph. Yep. Really amazing. The chronograph's been around for 100 years, but yet to make an automatic one was such a technical challenge. Ah, yeah, it was a huge achievement. And, and, and again, nobody really believed uh, we would make it happening. And, and, and quite a few brands were, were going for it. But at the end, uh, Zenit was the first one. And that's where the name El Primero came from. Yep. And, and we're still very proud of it. And it became probably the most famous element of the brand. Or after yes. all these years, so that that's something incredible, and that's also the reason why uh, 1969 to 2019, I really wanted to organize a special celebration this year, which I did over uh, quite a few different cities. And uh, tomorrow, I'm flying to Shanghai to continue to celebrate yep. the 50th anniversary of the El Primero. So it's 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 a great year for us. Yeah, I mean everybody. Had so recognizes El Primero and, and what a technical yeah. achievement it was. And, uh, and it seems that, you know, having listened to, to Jack Howard talk about uh, uh, 
uh, about the race to announce the first. You were the first to announce it for sure, 10th of January 1969. Exactly. Uh, but you also had Seiko or working over in Japan, and, right. and and sometime very close to that they came out with their yeah. with their equivalent, and then you had that consortium of uh, of Howard as it was then with Breitling and Hamilton. Correct. Yeah. Uh, they were the first to produce. Is that correct? Or you were the first to announce the technical achievement for yeah. sure? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, we have to put it back into perspective. We it was in the middle of the quartz crisis. So yeah. it, it wasn't really the best time to, to launch such an innovation because it yep. lasted actually a short time before we got hit yep. very badly by the, the quartz revolution. And, yep. uh, and we'll talk about Charles Vermont, but thanks to him, this great invention survived over time. Yep. And um, Chronograph is a huge association, El Primero. You've also got a big association with aviation and, and the pilots watches and you've a great range of product there now and I think interestingly you brought them together in 1970 or Zenith brought them together in 1971 strapping an El Primero to the, the bottom of a Boeing 707 when it flew from Paris to New yeah. York yeah that was a very very interesting uh, I would say communication approach and yep. showing everyone that the El Primero can uh, can defy uh, the, 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 the speed of an aircraft and, uh, and being yeah. in the air for so long. It was, it was something quite unbelievable. People still talk about it. Yeah. We're talking a Paris, New York flight. It's a long flight. And it was also referring of, to all our history with, uh, with airplanes and, uh, and the Louis Blériot story when he crossed the, the, the channel. Yeah. Uh, so the brand has a strong legitimacy in, uh, in chronograph and as well as in um, pilot watches. Yeah. And and if, yep. You'll see us coming strongly and strongly into pilot. Yeah. It's a great Which segment. We're delighted to hear of you. It's a hugely popular look in the UK as, exactly. as pilot watches. Yeah. And of course, you look for, for authority, and uh, uh, which, which you clearly have in aviation. Uh, just to mention some uh, some famous wearers over the years of uh, of Zenith, um, uh, Roald uh, Amundsen, the, the first uh, mm -hmm. to get to the South Pole, and uh, he knew where he was and what he was doing based on the wa uh, Zenith watch he was wearing. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, he was he was wearing an El Primero, uh, basically uh, El Primero watch that he brought uh, that I could see in our office last year. I had the uh, the grandson came to my office, he's yep. launching another company, he's launching some watches, and uh, he basically uh, came to our office to, to talk about the story and to explain yep. us uh, again what, was, uh, what happened in the past. Basically keeping a, a Zenit watch in his, uh, in his pocket to rely on a, on a very precise watch, yes. to have a very precise watch. Yep. So he did this, his achievement with the Zenit watch. So no, it's been, uh, it's been one of the key stories of Zenit as well. Yeah, which you know, obviously withstood, you know, really a... Uh, Tough conditions, and yeah. uh, and uh, he's not too popular around these parts actually, because he, he beat Captain Scott, I yeah. think, but just a few months back in 1911, getting to the South Pole. Other yeah, many many people who over the years that have uh, worn Zenith, including Prince Albert of Monaco, Mahatma Gandhi, yeah, correct, and uh, more recently Felix uh, Baumgartner. Uh, of course, Diver. yeah. Yes. When he did, he did this fantastic jump that uh, so many people heard about, and it was also a way to show that uh, a Zenit watch can resist to very extreme conditions. Yep. And I think it was a great, um, great communication for us, and uh, still people are referring to that. And uh, so you mentioned the quartz crisis, the seventies and eighties, when the industry was decimated with the, the new quartz technology, and certainly the Zenith brand was a victim, along with many others, of uh, what happened then. 
And you fell into the hands of the Zenith Radio uh, Corporation. Correct, correct. And, uh, and this American company, when they came to Switzerland, they basically were convinced that it was the end of mechanical Swiss watchmaking. So yep. when they got into the company, they gathered all the managers and all these people, the eight people that I mentioned before, that basically made the El Primero a few years before. Uh, the new owners told them you have to get rid of everything related to mechanical watchmaking yeah. because the quartz is the future. That's it. Yep. So they were all very shocked yep. and they all believed that they had no future in their own job. And one of these men, Charles Vermeau, at that time in his uh, 30s, he decided to, uh, to, make, uh, to make something special. He decided to, uh, not to destroy everything as he was asked to, but to start to hide everything every single component, yep. every tool, every plan, every different things. And he started to hide them in the attic of the company that you still can visit today. Uh, well. uh, a year ago, there was Michel Vermeau, the son That's of right. Charles Vermeau. Well. And he told me a little story that nobody really knew before. He told me that his mother came at some point to him and asked him, do you know what your father is doing? Coming back so late at night yep. and going there, going to work on the weekends. And she was actually becoming suspicious that, uh, uh, that Charles Vermeau had another kind of motivation to go into yeah, the yeah. office. And, and, and the son simply answered that uh, his father was a hard worker, that he had probably extra work to do, and that there was absolutely no issue on that. Yeah. And did Michel know what his dad was doing? No, he no. didn't know. No, nobody uh, knew in the family. And, no, right. and, and Charles Vermeau, it's only when he drove back from Zenith after having... Uh, reopened the wall. He drove back, he sat with the family in the yep. living room and he told them exactly what they had been doing. Yep. So it's an amazing story and not only because he saved the El Primero and probably he saved the brand, but imagine during those years, we are in the middle of the crisis. As we said earlier, uh, close to 100% of the people who work in the watch industry. It's yep. a very small world. Yep. If you get caught not listening to your boss, yeah. you lose your job. Yeah. Believe me, you, you have no chance to find another job. So he put really his family at risk. Yeah. You know, and, uh, he, he could have been in a situation where he couldn't feed his family. So yeah. he, 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 put the, he raised the bar very high. And I think in terms of values and, and bravery, it was uh, quite an amazing uh, thing that he did. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a watchmaker. He was a yeah. skilled watchmaker. And was his son, Michel, was he a watchmaker? Or yes, he also yep. became an um, engineer in yep. watchmaking. Yeah. yeah, And he worked for different brands. He never worked for Zenith, but, yeah. uh, but of course he's got a lot of um, affection and he's very close to our brand. And yeah. uh, now I, I try to see him on a regular basis. But uh, no, no, they, they, they have all been working in the watch industry for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a truly, it's a unique, I think, uniquely Swiss story in many ways that someone would be so sort of dedicated to their, their company and their yeah. craft. And, and you know now, brand. when you visit our manufacturer, we take a special dedicated moment to go to the attic, uh, to yeah. show it physically. People can still see the wall, how it was built, how yeah. it was reopened. We left everything as the, the, the day after the discovery. And... Um, and it's a, a very emotional moment because you can see that it's not a made-up marketing. It's really a true yeah. story that happened, and that means a lot to people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wonderful story, and it's, uh, it allowed the company to relaunch in '84. The, yeah. the the El Primero, which you've continued to improve, and of course, this year you're celebrating a, a 50th anniversary of, uh, of, of of the 1969, the great uh, uh, year of introduction. Yes, I mean we decided to go. Uh, to as many countries as possible. At the beginning, I was supposed to do 12 dinners, one per month. I think I'm going to end up doing 17 because we had a lot of requests. So yep. special event with 50 guests. 
where we introduce um, a limited edition uh, that we made uh, three times 50 pieces, uh, kind of a revival of the A386. Yep. Uh, one in rose gold, one in yellow gold, and one in white gold. And we decided for this exceptional event to offer a 50 years warranty, yep. including everything, uh, which, which will basically lead the watch to a, a special celebration because every single owner of these watches, they will be invited to an event on uh, January 10th, uh, 2069 to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the El Primero. Wow. Because <laughs> El Primero is forever yep. and we want the story to never stop yeah well, that, that's uh that's fantastic and, and of course you never stop improving either and with defy 21 you've even moved this wonderful technology up onto a different level for sure as i always say uh and i'm swiss myself i think i can say that but the swiss watchmaking industry sometimes tends to be a little bit repetitive a little bit turned to the past and yep. when i read books about uh, the history of watchmaking when i when we refer to the stories we just mentioned people had been so innovative so if you want to respect the past you should never repeat the past you should continue to create continue yep. to innovate in the same spirit as this gentleman did uh, many years ago so it's our mission yes to come with a new chronograph measuring the 100 of a second tomorrow the 1000 of a second the Defy Inventor, which is this um, this watch with this very innovative new um, oscillator that we are launching yep. these days, uh, all these are proofs that we want to to perpetuate the the spirit of innovation, yep. which is part of Zenith DNA. Yeah, yep. you know, and, and Zenith, I would say we, we've done podcasts on Rolex yep. and Patek and Audemars and Omega names that people would more commonly know. For sure, for sure. Uh, but uh, those that really know watches really know and respect, and I've got a great deal of affection for Zenith. So it's uh, it's wonderful to hear that uh, uh, that you're taking that spirit onto onto different levels. And and what is the what is the future? What's the vision for the for the Zenith brand? Uh, we have quite a few. Um quite a lot of project for the future but uh, uh, again in, in continuing the spirit of innovation and creativity we have uh, we have launched this year uh, as I just mentioned the, uh, the the DeFi inventor with this new oscillator and in the coming years we will continue to develop the DeFi line for sure yep. uh, again the DeFi is kind of the laboratory for innovation so we will continue to bring new things new ideas uh, new developments when Chronomaster is more about referring to the El Primero period of time. And yep. we will be slightly more traditional on that particular uh, side. Uh, when we go to Pilot, we believe we have such a great legitimacy in Pilot watches that we need to do more in that segment. Yep. And you will see next year we will come with a new design as well as a new way of um, starting and stopping a chronograph as it's never been done. Because yep. it's, it's a new invention that we're working on right now, which should um, surprise uh, many people. Huh? And of course, uh, as you just said, we are the name is very well known among connoisseurs, among watch yes. collectors. But yep. uh, we also need to get uh, to a wider audience, and we will we will be, I would say, more um, more dynamic in terms of marketing, in terms of communication, because that's that's important for us to uh, to uh, to communicate on a worldwide basis and to show everyone that Zenith had been such an amazing uh, watch brand that deserves to be a. Uh, to be appreciated, yeah. Yep, well, it's, it's great to hear and we'll be delighted to play our part on that here at Watch of Switzerland. As I said in the introduction, we, we, we love dealing with uh, with you and your team and love the brand and what it stands for. Our, our best-selling products when we look at are, are the Defy 21 products and you've also got a great uh, skill and expertise in doing skeleton and open work products. Is this something 
you'll also develop? Yes, I think it's, um, I mean, we've always been making beautiful skeleton, but uh, in the past we were uh, more on the traditional side of skeleton. I mean, uh, for a few years, I think there is um, a move to some more contemporary watchmaking. And I think it's, it's we have a long experience. We are very authentic, which yep. is very important. Yep. You know, everybody, nobody will tell you I'm not authentic or my brand is not authentic, but today Zenit is making 100% of its movement and yes. every single Zenit that you may buy has a Zenit movement. Yes. So I really want to continue and capitalize on our history, on the authenticity, but again, moving on to the 21st century, because I believe we have to build the future. We cannot yes. only repeat the past. And skeleton in a contemporary way is also something we will, uh, we will uh, work on in the future, because yep. the, 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 the aesthetic rendering um, is, is quite amazing. And I think um, we still have a lot more to explore. Yes. So that's exciting. And you're still doing movements, of course, for uh, for others, both within your group and elsewhere. And it's still the El Primero, it's in the uh, Monaco, the Tag Monaco today. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, no, no, I mean... Another very famous chronograph. Yes, I mean, it yeah. will stay It will stay anyway in the heart of our, uh, of our company and our developments because El Primero is uh, such an important... Uh, uh, history for us and you know it's not so common so it makes kind of a differentiation compared to other brands because most of the brands they celebrate um, the brand anniversary or a watch anniversary we celebrate a movement, movement and yeah. we are very well known for a movement so we need now to, to capitalize on that to, um, to develop the awareness of the brand and to get more people knowing this beautiful brand yep. but I mean the El Primero is definitely a key advantage for us and we are all very proud of it yep and that will be the core to a lot of what you do, and you also have the elite. Yes, of course, elite is our second big families of movements where we work more on two hands, three hands, and where next year you will see us um, coming with the elite line in a very, um, I would say, very elegant way. Yep. Going back to very thin watches with beautiful um, lugs and, 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 and very well done um, dials. Because yeah. I, I believe we have to be innovative again. If we want to respect the past, we have to move forward. But it doesn't mean we cannot pick beautiful traditional watches as yeah. well. Yeah. It's fine. We can do both. We have the legitimacy to do both. Yeah. So that's really the way that Zenit uh, wants to develop. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great brand, as we've said. And uh, we should thank Jean-Claude Biber for, uh, for bringing a great CEO into the brand uh, as well. Uh, we're delighted that you're there, delighted to be representing you and really thrilled that uh, you joined me today. Thank you very much, Brian. It was a pleasure. And uh, I know we have a bright future together as well. Thank yeah, you so much. Thank you, Julian.